don't cry You can rely on me Alright What's up everyone, welcome to another edition of the AXPX Podcast uh, I'm Sean, and with me, uh, as always from here on out, uh, is my co-host, Joey Avalos. What's up, man? Hello, hello. How y'all doing? All right. Well, we got a good show today. We're talking, uh, we're a week late, but we're talking paranormal. Spooky. Which should be, which should be good. Got a good, uh, good interview lined up today. Uh, full tech paranormal investigators have agreed to, uh, be interviewed, and, um, so it should be good. We'll be chatting to them uh, very soon. Um, but first, I think we can uh, jump into some news. Here we go. Yeah, cue it up. Yeah, that's better. <laughs> <laughs> All right. First off, this is uh, not set, not necessarily all paranormal, but uh, Steve Jobs. Um, who unfortunately died recently, uh, he delayed his cancer surgery uh, for a psychic. He was waiting for a psychic. Um, according to the authorized biography by Walter Isaacson, Jobs revealed that he stalled his surgery by nine months to pursue alternative methods instead. Uh, according, to, according to doctors, the pancreatic tumor Jobs had was treatable, and by delaying a surgery, the chances for survival were cut. And he went beyond his doctor's recommendations after being diagnosed with cancer in October of 2003 and delayed treatments, which could have saved his life. So that was a very interesting uh, mm. thing that I read. You know, I know he was very much into alternative medicine and things like that. But, um, you know, uh, according to the doctors, I guess it was treatable. So it's uh, pretty unfortunate. Hopefully that's a lesson to all of us. If a doctor says to uh, get uh, get some surgery, you get that surgery, especially when cancer is involved. <laughs> yeah. Uh, moving along to something uh, a little more, uh, a little more or less heavy here. Um, there's a scientist that claims hundreds of Yetis are alive and well. What do you think about that, Joey? <laughs> <laughs> oh my! How oh, well, I would love to hear this story. Keep on going, man. This is going to be good. <laughs> you know, let me. Uh, so, controversial professor Valentine Supanov um has infuriated academics after he said DNA checks on hair samples from a remote cave showed it belonged to a mystery human-like mammal. And uh, now he's gone further by asserting a population of 200 yetis are alive and well in the forested Kemerovo, Kakasava, and Altal regions of Siberia. Professor Sapa Sapanov said there have been no confirmed sightings of yetis because the animals have acute sense of danger. Oh, yeah. So that's, so that's why. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> man, these stories crack me up, man. Just, you know, as in the skeptic of the show, as we, I think you've kind of toddled myself that. <laughs> when I hear these things, oh, you, I, I have proof that I have a purple dragon in my garage. I can't show it to you right now because he's shy. Right. You know, he doesn't he don't like people, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But just trust me. I found it, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's there. Believe me. He's there. Believe me. <laughs> <laughs> I have links to these stories. Um You'll be able to find the links to these stories up on on the website uh, in the show notes uh, when you go to the website for the show. So check it out, um, theaxpx.com. Um, and then finally, uh, we have a top a top ten list here, and this is uh, brought to you from uh, paranormalnewscentral.com. Uh, top ten signs your house is haunted. Mm-hmm. 
I think the number 11 is the Exorcist theme place. All right, uh, you're ready for number 10 here? Yes, I'm ready. No, number 10, uh, odd, or no, uh, number 10 is strange smells. I got that. Yeah, my house has <laughs> strange smells. Hear that if you've had some Indian food recently. <laughs> exactly. Uh, number nine, feelings of being watched. Yes. Mm-hmm, okay. Uh, number, uh, let's see, number eight, odd dreams of people or places you don't know. Which never happens, right? Always. I think, always I think, <laughs> happens to me, actually, you know. Oh, wait, you're being sarcastic. So. Okay. <laughs> I think most of my dreams involve people in places I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So that must mean something. Uh, number seven, heaviness in the air. Uh, number six, noises. <laughs> it's pretty uh, general there. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> let, me, let me go to the website here. I'm sure it has. I'm sure it's more. Define I'm sure there's more than that. Yeah. That's awesome. uh, it says that uh, are you hearing strange noises or even whispers that can't be explained there's a reason for all the noises and that's because the spirit or entity may be trying to make its presence known or you need to go to a psychiatrist yes uh, number five changes in air temperature and I'm sure we'll talk about this uh, You know, hopefully our, our paranormal investigator I'm going to chat to will be able to I'm sure we'll be mentioning a lot of the stuff here in more of a serious uh Discussion, maybe. I don't know. Um, let's see. Did, did I mention changes in air temperature? Yeah. A sudden change in temperature around you is often a good indicator a spirit is nearby. All right. Number four, things moving around. Either that or you have a five-year-old and seven-year-old <laughs> living in the house. Yeah. Where's my cell phone? <laughs> um, number three, being touched. Are you being touched when no one else is around, sometimes leaving a mark on your skin? Well, it could be another indicator your house has other inhabitants. Uh, number two, sudden changes in mood or behavior. Uh, it says, although rare, depending on the types of signs you have, sometimes a more sinister entity may be residing in your home. These spirits may, in fact, not be spirits at all, but demonic in origin. Sometimes the fear, anger, anxiety, and other emotions that the entity holds may be passed on to the residents of the house. And then number one, seeing is believing. Uh, the absolutely best way knowing your house is haunted is by actually seeing the entity itself. Uh, spirits may manifest themselves before the, your very eyes. If you have a sharp eye, you may be able to catch a glimpse of it. Um, and I'm sure uh, uh, John from Paranormal, uh, from Full Tech Paranormal will be able to uh, expand, uh, expand this. Um, this list, yeah, I'm really excited about you know your interview with him, man. Because no, I'm a skeptic, man. I'm just gonna just throw it out there, and I want to clear up a little bit what that means because some people think it's a cynic where I'm close. Right, right, right. But uh, no, honestly, I'm open to everything. I, honestly, I think you and I've had conversations like, you know, come on, man. You know, it's almost like screaming out into the universe, like, show me a ghost, show yeah. me this is real. You know, show me whatever. I'm, yeah, I'm open to it. You know, but again, you know. I'll take it. You know, it's it's hard to um, take anything by someone else's word or personal experiences. We all have our own personal experience, and the problem with personal experience, in my opinion, is like it's you know, are they presuming? What are their presumptions on what they saw? Um, why do they think that what they saw is what they're claiming they saw? You right. Know? Yeah. And, you know, when it comes to UFOs, to uh, ghosts, spirits, you know, I'm gonna take the skeptic route because you know. 
by myself, it's like it's number one, seeing is believing. You know? Yeah. You know, it's funny. I've been, uh, I've been like almost mainlining, um, these ghost hunter shows. I wasn't able to get ghost hunters on Netflix or Hulu because Hulu it's web only and I'm too lazy to walk the computer, walk to the computer. <laughs> I want to watch it through my Xbox, but I've been watching, I watched, um, um, oh, ghost adventures. And, uh, it's this guy named Zach. I forget his last name. Um, this really kind of eccentric guy. He's, he's, he's actually, he's my age. He was born in 77. So he's 35. This very, and he's very, um, kind of outspoken, outspoken. And his whole thing is he tries to taunt like the ghosts into appearing and stuff like that. And the first documentary I watched, he actually, uh, a brick actually, actually gets thrown across the room and, uh, stuff like that. So they're trying to be, it's very much like they're trying to show, you know, get something to happen every episode. Um, so I watched about, I think five of them, uh, today. And then, uh, I watched another one. It's like a spinoff of ghost hunters, uh, where they're, um, uh, in like Europe. And then there's another one called, uh, oh shoot. What's it called? Oh, I forget the name of it. They all start with ghost. So it gets, it gets confusing. Uh, but that one was basically like them trying to actually use technology. I think it was like called ghost tech or something like that. And they used a bunch of, uh, a bunch of methods to try to find ghosts and everything. And, uh, it was very interesting, um, kind of diving into this because, uh, it's very easy to be skeptical on this type of subject because none of the cameras are, e- or, and all the methods are questionable. So, um, you know, when watching these, you have to kind of, it's almost like the, the ghost adventures is almost very entertaining, you know, to see these guys in the, in the you know, pitch black with their infrared cameras and stuff like that. Um, so it's definitely entertaining, but, uh, uh, you know, it's hard to, um, kind of buy, you know, buy into all of it just because there's so very little like actual photographic evidence, you know, and, um, and, and the, there's something called, uh, oh gosh, EV, um, where you actually get a recording and then you, you ask, you know, you ask questions and, and, uh, when you go back and listen to it at, if you, if you tweak the frequency of the recording, you may hear what could sound like a human voice, but, you know, most of the things are very, you know, you kind of have to be either, I don't know, kind of guessing or, or it's very hard to tell, mm-hmm. you know, so, so yeah, good stuff. So we'll be chatting with John here in a little bit. Um, do you, and do you have anything else to weigh in on, uh, on our, our interview today? I know you're not able to, uh, you're in Arizona, so you're not able, able to meet John yourself. No, I'm looking forward to hopefully, um, give you some questions and hear some of his answers, but you know, I'm, I'm interested in what you think about this. What is your, like going into this, what do you expect? Are you, uh, are you a skeptic yourself? I don't know if I've really talked to you about this. Yeah. And, and have you seen anything before? Uh, no. It's unexplainable? No, no. I mean, not at all. I mean, and, uh, I, and I was telling my wife this earlier. I, I was, I was the kid, I was the kind of kid that was like terrified of everything. Mm-hmm. So, and you know, when I was, uh, uh, when I was little, I would always, like make sure I was tucked in, make sure my blanket was around my neck. I was just terrified of everything. But, uh, as I got older, that kind of, uh, as I actually started watching, like kind of facing my fears and watching like horror movies and stuff like that, kind of facing all those, I just realized that, you know, for me, it was just, uh, there's no real depth to it or there wasn't any like proof of anything. And, you know, I've never experienced anything. So I'm very much, you know, just actually interested in people who actually are, kind of fully invested because, you know, you talk to most of these people and you see these people on these TV shows and they're very much invested in it. You know, like, right. you know, they have day jobs and stuff like that. They're doing this on, you know, ghost hunters. The guys are, uh, 
they're not plumbers, but they're, you know, they're just like kind of, you know, uh, blue collar type guys, you know, and at night they do this because they're passionate about it. So, you know, it's hard for me to really kind of debunk it and just say, oh, you're full of crap. But, you know, in the same time, yeah, you know, there's definitely is a skepticism to it. And I'm just excited to just kind of hear, you know, talk to John and just, uh, you know, just hear from him, like what he is passionate about and what he thinks about it, you know? So, um, yeah, I I don't, I don't know if everyone, you know, there are hucksters, like YouTube's full of people trying to just make little, Ooh, ooh, I got a ghost on video. But when you have someone who's pursuing it on the side, on top of their normal job and who's, uh, using their own, you know, out of pocket expenses and they're, you know, striving on just, you know, any donation, kind of takes them to another level as like, well, at least the person who's running this is, uh, you know, he's, he believes something, you know what I mean? And that's interesting to me. And that's why I'm excited to talk to John about it. Oh, for sure. And I think there's two things that kind of go with, go against, you know, investigators today. And I will, you know, interesting to hear, but, you know, video and photographic proof, you know, with the technology we have today, it's like, it's hard to believe anything. You know, my, my brother, I have some good friends that are, great photographers you know and they could easily tell you how things can seem to appear in pictures and stuff the way yep. things to do it or modify you know videos and audio and i mean it, any kind of um materials out there in technology i mean we're so adapt to being skeptic to ourselves now because i mean we go to see movies now you know compared to like you know in the 70s or even the 50s horror movies you know compared to now when you go see something it's like you know, it's amazing. It is definitely magic, you know, how they make it look so real in our eyes to, you know, believable. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, uh, coming up after uh, this musical break, I'll be talking to John from uh, Full Tech Paranormal. And, um, but first we're going to do a musical break. Um, and, uh, so I guess Joey, this is you signing off. <laughs> yes, sir, man. I can't um, wait to, uh, hear what he has to say. All right. Um, you guys can find Joey on Twitter, Joey Avalos, and uh, make sure you follow him there. And, uh, so let's jump into our first musical break. This is Tyler Daniel Bean. Uh, he has an album coming out on Tuesday, election day. Vote Gary Johnson, Gary Johnson, libertarian for president. <laughs> Be the five percent. <laughs> um, uh, Actually, this, this album is going to be released on, on, uh, on Tuesday, or this album. This podcast will probably be released on Tuesday. So, uh, you know, if you haven't, if you haven't voted, you know, be the 5%, vote Gary Johnson. That's all the, that's all, that's as political I'll ever get. But, uh, anyway, vote for the guy that's, uh, vote for the under, under, underdog. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, all right. Um, enough of that. Let's, uh, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. Tyler Daniel Bean, uh, song I'm going to play is called Heather Lane and his album Longing. Uh, comes out on Cat Cat Records on November 6th. You can go to tylerdanielbean.bandcamp.com and uh, check out the album there on Tuesday. And like I said, right after this, I'll be talking to John from Full Tech Paranormal. Um, yeah, I'll talk to you guys soon. Enjoy the song. Do you
that was Tyler Daniel Bean with the song Heather Lane from the album Longings. Uh, it's on. Uh, it's released on Kit Kat. Sorry, not Kit Kat. I'm thinking candy because we just had just Halloween. Uh, Cat Cat Records, and it's released uh, uh, Tuesday, voting day, uh, the sixth. You can go to tylerdanielbean.bandcamp.com and uh, grab the album there digitally when it comes out. Today, uh, pretty excited about today's uh, today's show. I am talking to John from Full Tech Paranormal, hey. uh, based out of uh, Riverside. Woohoo, Riverside, yeah. California. Yeah. That's right, John. Awesome. We're really good to talk to you. Thanks for uh, agreeing to meet me. And that's my first like live interview. So uh, thanks you know, for having us. It's a milestone in the podcast. I say us because <laughs> uh, you know we're a team. Uh, my other teammates couldn't be here. But uh, as the founder, I just want to say thank you for having Full Tech Paranormal on your show. Yeah, of course. Of course. Anything for an interesting conversation, I'm always up for that. Um, I'm always I'm always interested whenever someone, uh, when I see these shows like Ghost Hunters and right. things like that, like how does a person get into, you know, into, you know, researching the paranormal? So if you can just... Uh, Great you know, question. Breathe, like, let me know, like, what was your journey into this field? Well, I think for a lot of different people, they, it all, from what I've heard is it's all personal, uh, personal experiences that they may have had as a child or even as an adult. And for me, I was, uh, had some things happen as a child. I remember seeing what looked like a ghost one time in my parents' window. Uh, there was only two, my older sister and I home. So I knew it wasn't her and it, it, it kind of stuck with me and I, I'll never forget it. It was a white shadowy figure peering back at me from the backyard window and we had dogs. So yeah. it was very unlikely that somebody snuck into the backyard to look in the window and was all white. Um, and then the profound thing that, that really, uh, excelled me into the paranormal was I was working uh, for a law enforcement agency and had gone to one of the things that I specialized in was and took courses in was crime scene photography. Mm-hmm. And I remember going to a crime scene where there was a dead body and it was what we call an unattended death. And, okay. and I had taken a picture um, in with, you know, my partner who was a deputy. And when I had requested a, copy of the photo back from evidence uh, to attach to a report, um, there was this white haze or mist that was just floating right over the body. Huh. And it was the exact same shape as the body um, or length, I should say. And it really struck me as odd. In fact, I went to my colleagues uh, and I said, hey, take a look at this picture, you guys. And, and what do you think? This is kind of mm-hmm. strange. There's nothing else in the room that looks like this. And they teased me and they said, ooh, <laughs> it's a ghost. And and I, you know, I in college was a science major. I was a forensic science major. And so I thought, you know, as somebody who was already interested in, in some type of science, um, 
I turned my focus on paranormal science and picked up anything I could um, on the paranormal sciences, paranormal psychology, paranormal investigations, because I thought maybe there's something to it, but then again, maybe there's not. Right. And that's how I got interested and started my journey uh, into the paranormal, picking up a tape recorder and a camera and and going into this local cemetery. Yeah. And that was many, many years ago. Um, And that's how I got into it. Great. Wow. Um, you see, you, you said you studied, did you, were there call? is there like college courses for like paranormal invest, like you said, like psychology and stuff like that? Like, did you search out those types of, uh, classes? Actually, there or? is cl- courses that you actually can get a doctorate, uh, in paranormal psychology. Oh, okay. Um, so, and there are certain, you know, colleges or universities that offer that, um, and you'll see on, on some of the shows that are out there, they ha- and some of them aren't on anymore, but they had used paranormal psychologists okay, as right. a part of their team. Right. Um, with me, um, it, it, I didn't do the traditional college route as far as studying, uh, paranormal. I didn't, uh-huh. I didn't seek out a university. I had already, uh, went to college, uh, for a degree and knew right. what I had to do to pick up textbooks. Right. And so that's, right. I was self-taught, right. uh, right. mainly and then got with, you know, people who, or, or communicated, thank God for the internet with people who were paranormal psychologists, um, and interested in talk groups on the internet or chat groups, uh, to where I could learn a little bit more. I was pretty young when all this yeah. started. I was, you know, in my early twenties. Yeah. Um, and it just evolved from there to where, I mean, to me, you can be book smart or you can be street smart. And uh-huh. I was a little bit of both when it came to this field. Before I start the interview here, you did mention that you were brought, had a Catholic background. Yes. Do you feel like possibly had, cause, um, I mean, I, I, I wasn't raised Catholic, but I, mm-hmm. I, you always see like in like the exorcist and stuff like that. There's, right. you know, they got to go to a priest to do a cleansing and stuff like that. Did that kind of background have kind of yeah. mold you with, uh, you know, uh, your experiences with the paranormal at all, I, or to or be honest, was it not a factor? Yeah, I don't think it was really a factor. In fact, I I kind of tease and say I'm a recovering Catholic. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that you know, in growing up and being Catholic and and going to church on a weekly basis, um, I'm sure it set some foundations uh, for the rest of my life. Um, which you know, you can take things as positive or negative, right. but but as far as uh, the religion itself, um, I don't think it played a factor in in getting me interested in the paranormal. Okay. I think it was just something that that happened to be a part of my yeah. life when I was younger. Yeah. yeah. All right, cool. How did like friends and family react to you pursuing this, you know, this pursuit of, of paranormal uh, research and investigation? Um, were they, were they support? Would you have a supportive, like a good support group uh, from, you know, friends and family or did you, you know, run into some kind of like opposition or, you know, were you teased about it and like that? Like what? Great um, question. Great question. Um, Sean, I think that, um, it's kind of mixed. Um, for the most part, my parents, bless their hearts, they're in their 80s. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I come from a big family. There's six kids, uh, 30 grandkids or close to 30 grandkids. And my mom and dad, uh, no matter what we do, as long as it's not, uh, you know, illegal or immoral, uh, they support. Um, my dad is still a staunch Catholic. I mean, he, he went to, 
you know, uh, to learn to be a priest. If anything ever happened to my mom, he went to a place mm-hmm. in San Bernardino diocese called the Strayling Institute. Oh, okay. Um, and so he, he, he goes to church every week, but surprisingly he supports it and he feels that, um, I've come up with at this point, um, enough evidence and he's looked at my cases and listened to, to evidence and uh-huh. looked at evidence that we've gotten and, uh, he supports it. My mom supports it. I have one of my sisters who I think is, is on the fence about it. Um, but, uh, my bro, the rest of my brothers and sisters, they, they wholeheartedly, in fact, one of my sisters and a couple of my nephews have even in the early days gone on cases with me. Oh, okay. So it, it really, as far as the family goes, they, they've always supported me with yeah, it and they, they great. push me to, to keep doing it. That's great. Has paranormal research affected your personal, like, faith as far as, uh, what you, uh, do you say that the, 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 the findings that you've had, have challenged in personal beliefs or is this something since you've kind of grown up, you know, seeing strange things, has it been kind of a, uh, kind of like more of an organic transition? Have you, have mm-hmm. you run into things that kind of shocked you? Like, right. you know, as far as your, your personal beliefs go, I think that, and that's another great, you got great questions here, <laughs> Sean. And, and for me, um, in growing up, uh, you know, and saying I'm a recovering Catholic and, and, kind of getting away from the that religion um and I would consider myself still a Christian mm-hmm. um and ended up later on going to a non-denominational Christian church mm-hmm. and and having uh beliefs instilled in me through uh pastors that I've talked to or mm-hmm. or fellowshiped with um I think do, doing the paranormal and the reason I started it was I was a skeptic and my mind in some instances was changed for me, if that makes any sense. Right. Uh-huh. You know, things that I have seen and heard doing paranormal investigations uh, where I was a skeptic and thought, you know, that this couldn't be, um, have actually shaped me to believe that there's something else going yeah. on, yeah. you know, and scientifically, and, and let me make a point that when I do this, and I tell my clients that hire us, I do this as a scientist. You know, I don't go in there uh, to try to change their belief right. system. And I don't go in there to try to change my own belief system. I go in there purely as a scientist. And I think to answer your question, yeah, some some of the case, especially early on, it uh-huh. did change me. Right. It did change the way I looked at things as a Christian, right? Uh, because we were taught as—I mean, I was taught as a Christian, and a lot of the, my friends who are still Christian believe there's angels and uh-huh. demons. Period. Right. That's, that's it. Yeah. There's nothing else. There's no such thing as ghosts. Um, but one of the things that I challenged them with was in looking up um, certain scriptures, and of course they do talk about um, spirits uh-huh. and and the Holy Ghost interpretation was meant as the God, God coming as a Holy Ghost, mm-hmm. and that was his spirit. But then you have uh, Jesus Christ, who was made of flesh and blood like you and I are, mm-hmm. uh, even though he was the Son of God, um, he was still a man. And right. so it says clearly in the Bible that on the third day he rose again. And what did that mean? Yeah. Well, to me, that means... He walked among his apostles, and I don't mean to turn this from a paranormal interview into a 
Christian-based interview or, or Catholic-based interview. But we can he, recenter in a bit. Yeah, we will. <laughs> but just, you know, to kind of answer your question uh-huh. and the change it had in me was I went from believing that uh, he was the only one that could do it ever was come back and be appear to his apostles. Well, if he appeared to his apostles, now it's changed my mind because that's what I call in the paranormal science world yeah. an intelligent haunting. <laughs> so that okay. is to, that answers your question. Yeah. It, it, that's what changed it. It okay. went from believing that he was the only one that could do it to now he was a man like me. Mm-hmm. What other man can do it right. and come back? Right. You know. Um, so. <clears throat> Uh, say like say, say you have a, a client come to you. You know, you, mm-hmm. they they think their house is haunted. Right. Uh, they're they're hearing strange things. What like what what's the process, you guys? Because I want to get into like your guys' process. Sure. You know, before we go um, talking further about because I do want to chat about some of the cases here in a bit. Uh, what's the process? Take me through the process. Uh, uh, from a client coming to you and uh, saying they hear some strange things, and then through mm-hmm. the actual investigation. Like, what are the steps you guys take? You take us through like an investigation, okay. you know? Yeah, I can do that. Um, well, the the first step is, you know, a client will contact us by calling. Uh, a lot of times it's word of mouth or uh-huh. they'll find us on the Internet. Um, they'll call us um, and usually uh, they'll talk to myself or my tech manager, John Jobagi. Mm-hmm. Um, or uh, I do have other investigators that I've trained. Um, that actually in the course of their day might hand out their business cards and get a client that says, Hey, I have a haunting at my house. And so what that does is we, uh, pull out a, a sheet, which is called a client interview sheet. Okay. And we have a series of questions that we will ask the client when we do the initial, in- the initial interview, which could be over the phone. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll ask them such questions like, um, you know, of course, their name and, and where their address and the reason for the address is we actually will research, uh, the property, uh, the land. If there's been any, uh, criminal activity such as murders, suicides, uh, we have our ways of, of investigating that, um, and researching that. Um, we ask them what type of experiences. Um, they've had, mm-hmm. um, then it gets down to after we've, they've answered a series of questions on our sheet. Initially, uh, we want to set up a meeting. Okay. We need to walk through their house and usually, um, myself and my tech manager, uh, John, uh, we call him Jonas, uh, will meet with the client and I will have another series of questions that I ask them. And a diagram of the house because Jonas, as the tech manager, uh-huh. needs to know camera positions, where we're going to set up. But I also ask very personal questions. And um, let me stress the fact that our clients, everything is confidential. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't put your address out on the Internet. We don't put your name out on the Internet. Um, nothing is revealed unless uh, the client gives us written permission to reveal who they are, but mm-hmm. at no time will we reveal the address because we don't want kids, especially going right. by yep. thinking it's a haunted house. Um, I'll ask personal questions about mental illness, um, drug use, whether it's street or prescription, uh, alcoholism, um, because I need to know where they're coming from. And if they're seeing these things, right. uh, because of, you know, chemical reasons or if they're seeing it for, 
you know, paranormal or spiritual reasons, um, spiritual meaning a spirit. Yeah. Um, and so I'll ask them a series of questions. Um, then the next thing we'll do is we'll walk through the house and we'll take what's called an EMF meter. Mm-hmm. Uh, electromagnetic field meter is what EMF stands for. And it has, it's a really a gauze meter and mm-hmm. it measures the electromagnetic fields and waves in the air. Uh, we'll go to each room that they say activity is in and we'll take a base reading. Uh-huh. So if a base reading in that room, for instance, uh, is 0.00 or even 0.01 in that room, we'll mark it down and the date we're there. Then after we go from each room uh, and get base readings on the EMF meters, we'll set up with the client a date for us to come back with the entire team and all the equipment that we have and do an overnight investigation. Okay. Typically, our investigations go from 10 p.m. to about 4 to 4.30 in the morning. Um, we try to get through the 3 a.m. hour, which a lot of people have used different terms like dead time <laughs> or the witching hour. Yeah. Um, but really, scientifically, it is when the atmosphere atmospheric pressure is at its lowest okay and so what we found is that things are able to happen more uh spiritually Hmm. uh during that time uh usually three to four a.m um so we try to stay during that time uh we'll set up infrared cameras um hooked to a dvr system we've got um handheld high def infrared cameras We've got um, laser grids that we use, and we'll set all this up. We tell the client ahead of time what we're coming in right. and what we're bringing. Um, then it gets down to uh, starting the investigation. Typically, we don't want anyone there but us. Um, but if the client uh, is the one that instigates the activity, uh-huh. or maybe they're they're son or daughter or granddad, whatever, then we will ask that that person, maybe one or two people stay uh-huh. uh, to see if we get a reaction with them in the house. Um, then after we do the case and the investigation is over for the night, which is the fun part, because it's kind of, a, it, it is really exciting getting, yeah. like if you get touched or you hear yeah. something or cabinets open and close, uh, it's pretty exciting stuff. Yeah. Um, but I also want to make a point that when I started this, and even today, I don't go in looking for ghosts. Right. I actually go in to give a reasonable explanation as to why things are happening in the home. If you're hearing, you know, I have people say, well, I hear, you know, knocking at night uh, yeah. before I go to bed. And so I'll ask a question like, do you shower before you go to bed? And they look at me like kind of funny and they uh-huh. go, well, Yeah. And so I say, okay, well, go ahead and turn your shower on, the hot water for me. And so then they'll do that. And then the next thing I hear after they turn it off is, okay. and their hot water pipes aren't strapped down. Right. And they're knocking. Okay. And that's yeah. the knock. So that's a reasonable explanation. So then once we're done with the case and, and being there overnight, the hard part comes. And this is where I lose folks that want to be <laughs> paranormal investigators because uh-huh. it's not all fun in the dark. It's you research. Have, yeah, it's a, you have to go over yeah. every second of every clip of and every second of of audio evidence. Yeah, um, and you have to sit there for hours upon hours going over it. And I train the people to what to listen for and to be have heightened senses to these things. Uh-huh. And then once we have found uh, evidence, you know, 
we isolate it and we save it and we call the client and say, we're ready to reveal to you. And then we reveal what we found. Mm -hmm. Now, if nothing is found and it's all reasonable explanations, we tell them that too. Okay. Yeah. And that's a case basically. Right. Right. Case closed. Yeah. Yeah. On to the next. Yeah. But not always case closed. Okay. Because I do get people that say, look, this thing is driving us crazy. It's scaring us. We want it out. Okay. People ask me, what sets you apart from other groups? Uh Uh-huh. Well, the groups that I'm seeing, and not all of them, there are some, but we do what's called a house cleansing. And I do have a minister, and Mm -hmm. I do have access to priests. I do have clergy that will come and do house cleansings for us. And I myself am trained in doing uh, house cleansings. Okay. And if you are, uh, let's say, Catholic, then we'll do a Catholic cleansing. If you don't have a denom- uh, a religious belief, if you are agnostic or, mm-hmm. or you don't have a belief in anything, um, then we'll do a pagan cleansing. We'll do a uh, ritual Indian Native American type cleansing. And, and I'm trained in that. And in fact, one of my members who, and another thing that sets us apart is I use mediums. Uh-huh. I never believed in them before. Yeah. Yeah. But the mediums <laughs> that I have, I've tested. Okay. And the reason I, the way I test them is I will show them photographs of a location and I want them to describe to me what it is they feel or see happen in that house. See, I've already, already know what's happening. Right. Yeah. But if they can explain to me what hasn't been told to them, then they pass the test. Okay. That's interesting. Very interesting. Sorry that took so long. No, it's I was great, like, man. It's great. once I get on a roll, man. No, it's awesome. <laughs> it's awesome. Um, I'm going to take, go ahead. We're going to go ahead and take a, take a musical break great. right now. Uh, and we'll come back. And, uh, Joey, uh, my co-host Joey has written up some, uh, some questions and I, I'm, I'm a, I think I'm going to start doing this on most interviews. Uh, we're going to do like a skeptic's corner. Perfect. Yeah, I love <laughs> so it. So we'll do that. And then uh, I do want to talk about some specific cases. So uh, hang with us. Uh, right now I'm going to play uh, a group called uh, Josh Rouse and the Long Vacations. Uh, the song is called Oh, Look What the Sun Did. It's from their self-titled album available for free, but they are accepting tips. Uh, on noisetrade.com, you can go to noisetrade.com slash j. RLV. So uh, go there and download this album. It's awesome. Uh, but yeah, we'll be right back after this. This is Josh Rouse and the Long Vacations with Oh Look What the Sun Did on the AXPX Podcast. Blue. 
Josh Rouse and the Long Vacations with Oh Look What the Sun Did from the self-titled album available right now for free on noisetrade.com. Go to noisetrade.com slash JRLV and you can tip them if you like their stuff. Drop them like six bucks, something like that. And uh, that way maybe they'll do another album. I don't know. All right, uh, back with John uh, is it, uh, Kirchhoff. Kirchhoff. John Kirchhoff, uh, founder of Full Tech Paranormal Investigations. And I'm gonna jump into uh, a little uh, skeptics, uh, skeptics corner. Um, uh, my co-host Joey, who can't be here because he's in Arizona. Hey, Joey, sorry you couldn't be here, bro. <laughs> uh, he wrote up a few questions, and he he wanted me to kind of throw them in like conversation, but I thought it'd be it'd be cool to have kind of his voice uh, in the show here doing this. So um, this may be some things we may have covered, but we'll we'll sure. go through them again. Let's do it. Uh, more specific. Um, what do you have to say about the skeptics that claim that paranormal investigators are just practicing pseudoscience and not real science? I, you know, I, I get that quite a bit and everybody's entitled to their opinion uh-huh. and I'm not one to ever change anybody's opinion. Um, I myself, you know, as I stated earlier, came into this as a skeptic and Still to this day, on certain issues, I am a skeptic. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that a pseudoscience can date back to, you know, when we thought the world was flat. Right. And yeah. there were pioneers that set out uh, that you could even call scientists because they wanted to prove that the world was round. And yeah. they had people that were doubters of that. And you have uh, physicists who are talking about things like the string theory and parallel dimensions. And and that's actually what we're doing here is we're trying to scientifically explore uh, parallel dimensions. And mm-hmm. who's to say that, you know, these things that were entities that we're, we feel are ghosts in our society uh-huh. aren't looking at us as ghosts in theirs. Right, yeah, yeah. You know, it, but... Yeah. I, I, I say bring the skeptics on. Yeah. Um, because they have a place here too. And that's, you know, if we didn't have skeptics, then it would make our job real, real easy. <laughs> that's true. 
So I know we touched base on this earlier. Um, why does it seem that all investigations are conducted at night? Um, does the night slash dark have anything in anything to do with it. I know you didn't mention kind of the 3 a.m. to yeah. 4 a.m. is kind of the witching hour. Uh, is that pretty much the uh, explanation, or are there, are there more? No, I, you know what? It seems like that. And it's funny how um, television shapes our lives. Uh-huh. And, in fact, you know, not to get off subject, but my son, who's a teenager, he doesn't even have a cable box in his room anymore because uh-huh. right, he yeah. just he's an artist, and he doesn't want to be influenced by that. And, and so I think what we're watching on TV, every case that's done at night in the middle of the night, and cause it's spooky. Yeah. And yeah. What's in the dark. And, but act in actuality, we've done cases during the day. Um, they're, they're rare. Uh-huh. But when I hear from a client that things are happening during the day and at night, um, I would rather do a case, to be honest, during the day than stay up all night. Yeah. <laughs> I really yeah, yeah. would. Um, so it could happen during the day or at night. I think that um, the intrigue and the mystery at, of nighttime and darkness sells. Yeah. And so that's why we see it on TV. Yeah. But here in the world of non-TV paranormal investigators <laughs> uh, that aren't doing retakes and uh-huh. we're, we don't have Hollywood with us, uh, we're doing it during the day too when, when it calls for it. Yeah. Um, but at night, uh, when we do cases at night from 10 a.m., like I said, 10, or I'm sorry, 10 p.m. to about 4 or 4.30 and we, you and I, Sean, touch base on it, um, that there is a lower atmospheric pressure right, about okay, yeah, between yeah, 3 and yeah. 4 a.m. and, and we have found that more things come out and more things happen during that time. Um, and when things are dark and quiet and peaceful, we find that more things are, um, accepting and they'll come out and do what they're used to doing yeah. in the home. Yeah. If they don't feel threatened. Yeah. I mean, if we go in there during the day and, and a lot of, it seems like a lot of like shadow people, that's, you know, a term for, um, you know, uh, spirit or or uh, dark energy that passes through hallways, and you've uh-huh. seen it in different shows. I go, I saw a shadow person. Yeah, you really wouldn't be able to see. Uh, I mean, you can see a shadow person during the day, but it just at night. I think that um, more things happen at night, yeah. and it's one of the things that we're tapping into as to yeah. why. And yeah. that that lower atmospheric pressure is one of the things that all investigators, I think, are finding true. Yeah, well, that's interesting because a lot of you know, a lot of super, even a lot of the superstition and, and, uh, folklore and yes. stuff like that. You know, all the spooky stuff happens at night. I mean, look at, we just had Halloween. I mean, Great Halloween, point. you know, it's all about, you know, spooky stuff in the night. And there's got to be something for that, you know, uh, something, there's got to be something right. to that. Well, so it would almost be like watching a horror movie without the music. Yeah. It really wouldn't be much of a horror movie. Yeah. So, <laughs> and, and we're not trying to, um, contrive anything. By having things at night, it's just the way that it's played out. Yeah. You know, it's when people say, and a lot of people are, when they're settling in and they're at, and I think a good point to make about the nighttime is these people who are our clients, I think, are most vulnerable right? Yeah, at nighttime when they're relaxed, Yeah, when they're in... Um, you know, a state of laying down and resting or they're putting the kids to bed. They're more vulnerable to things that'll happen at night. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right. Um, so, so how do you know, like, for sure that you're dealing with something paranormal? I mean, is there, like, when you're in on a case, um, ha- with some some instances that you guys have uh, come by, you know, I know there's one uh, one case where you, uh, I don't know if it was you or someone else felt somebody pulling at your leg hairs, right? Right. Um, <clears throat> uh, I guess we'll start there. He has some follow up questions here, but let's. How do you know, like, for sure, like, oh, man, we're experiencing something? Do you know it when you're there, or is it more of you guys get back with the data and you guys notice things, Do you, mm-hmm. you know? Well, if you notice in that case, and that was uh, my investigator, one of my lead investigators, Jeff, that okay. felt the leg hairs on the back of his leg pulled. Yeah. And and I, I'm trying to remember back to that case, if you could hear me in that, trying to pick apart what he was feeling. Uh-huh. And that's still, like I said, the skeptic in me, because I w- always want to find out, well, well, let's explore this. Right. Let's not assume that it's paranormal. And, um, but I have to take somebody at their word. I mean, if he, you know, and I asked him, I forget what question specifically, but I think I might've asked him if he had been up against the wall or if his sock had come down, different things that you need to look at. Uh-huh. Um, we all, and I looked with a flashlight very closely at his leg and with the camera. Yeah. And he, it was a personal experience. Yeah. I mean, if, if somebody pulls your hair and you go, some, my hair just got pulled. Yeah. Um, well, that's up to you to say your hair got pulled or not. Um, I'm going to try to look and see if maybe there was a spider web hanging down. Um, yeah. But we, I, I always try to explore the reasonable explanation versus the paranormal. Yeah. Uh, explanation. And in a case like that, um, when a, it's a personal experience, uh-huh. um, I have to go on the side of the person who experienced it because I'm not them. Yeah. Uh, same, same, uh, uh, I don't know if it was the same one or another, but, but one of your other investigators, uh, the marks on her back. Oh, um, and you one. can see all this if you, uh, what's, what's the website? It's, uh, it's, uh, uh fulltechparanormal.com. Yeah. You, you can find these cases on there and we'll chat a little bit further about these cases, but, uh, in this instance, she felt Crazy. something on her, uh, on her back and you guys went down there and yeah. there were two lines going up from about what the middle right. of her back up to her neck. It, or? it was past her bra line up to her neck. And let me kind of backtrack and uh-huh. explain what happened there. Yeah. Uh, Jonas and I were doing, uh, K2, which is another meter that measures, uh, EMF, electromagnetic fields, and we were doing EVP, uh-huh. which is electronic voice phenomenon, disembodied voices. We right. were doing that in the master bedroom of this house. Now, this was a not so nice case. This is, uh, was the second time we had been there, and we ended up going there a third time to do a cleansing and okay. getting it out. But the second time we were there, Jonas and I were in the back bedroom. Jane, my investigator, was uh, watching the monitors uh-huh. in the garage, which was on the complete opposite side of this over, you know, like 3,000 square foot home. She was way on the other side. Um, she had told us, we heard a scream. Uh-huh. She heard a bang in the garage and thought we were coming out the door. And it wasn't us coming out the door. And it wasn't her screaming. Wow. So I told Jonas... Go check on Jane. She's by herself in the garage watching us on the monitors. Uh-huh. So when he went out there, as you guys can hear when you watch the video, Jane says, my back is burning. My back is burning. Uh-huh. Um, and then she explains, I thought you guys were coming out, but then all of a sudden my back is on fire and it's burning. Well, any other 
paranormal case that you'll see from other groups that where their their markings or they get attacked. Uh huh. It's the same thing that the person will say, "My, it feels like my arm is burning, or it feels like my leg so it's is not burning. like a, it's not like a sharp pain right away. It's like kind of like a warming, yeah, kind of a warming and to the sensation. point to where she said it was burning. Huh. Now we tried to recreate, and I said, "Turn the lights on and let's yeah. see this." And you can almost see this materializing on camera. Yeah, and yeah. like the entity was still there, and there was yeah. no way that Jane could have clawed herself from her neck right because i was trying it myself like okay Good. you know yeah i want people to do that yeah. when they watch this video that's what i want i want the skeptics to watch it goes it. down past where you can reach your own uh finger like if you you know she would have to be like double jointed right to get back where she was right and i'm a know. fairly big guy i mean my arms are fairly big i uh, can't reach back that yeah. far i just can't yeah um and jane couldn't either it was obviously something that had attacked her you can see the claw marks, what we describe as claw yeah. marks. And in every other case, on every other paranormal group, they say the same thing. Now, there were two claw marks that I counted in Jane's case, uh-huh. which to me, it was something trying to uh, make like it was a demon. I right. don't think it was because typically a demon will make three claw marks, which is indicative of the mocking of the Holy Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy... Right. And that's through studies, and you talk to anybody like Grant Wilson or or, um, anyone from from Ghost Hunters, you know, props to those guys. Um, They're pioneers. Um, They'll tell you the same thing. It's the mocking of the Holy Trinity. But in Jane's case, when she was attacked, um, it was only two claw marks. So it was almost like something was posing as a demon. Huh. Interesting. It was a crazy That's case. Crazy. <laughs> Some other stuff. Watch folks out there that are going to tune in to, to uh, fulltechparanormal.com. Uh-huh. And that case is called Return to Hobart. Yeah, let's let's talk about Return to Hobart just to, in a little bit. Okay. We'll, 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 we'll pick out a few of your most interesting cases and we'll chat about them. Uh, but, but finally, like, so, so how do you know, how do you know that, this, this is the last, skept, last skeptic question here, uh, how do you know that you're not jumping to, to conclusions, to explaining about the unexplained? I know you kind of touched base on how you, how you mm-hmm. react to a situation. Right. Um, is there anything else you, you can tell us about how you would, uh, how do you know, like, you guys aren't jumping to conclusions? Uh, um, sure, or, you know, or do you even know? I mean. Yeah, well, that's a, a, you know, props to Joey. That's a great question. Uh, because I look at other groups. I won't mention uh-huh. the name of these guys, but I hear blurbs. I watch the shows and I hear, and they go, that clearly said so and so we're going to kill you. And I'm like, it didn't say that. I'm sitting there playing Monday morning quarterback. <laughs> but, um, when I'm in doubt, I throw it out uh-huh. of anything. Uh-huh. And I have trained my the the people that work with me on the team have been trained to throw things out that aren't clear that aren't uh, if if the public can't understand it or hear it or see it um, as something that is paranormal I don't want to put it up okay I really don't now there may be some things uh, you know because it's trial and error some people might chime in and say, well, I, you, I've seen stuff on your site that I can't hear very clearly. Yeah. That might be the case. Uh, I'm not saying we're perfect, but from as the founder, uh, I want things to be, 
you know, questionable anyway. I want people that are skeptics to say, mm, I don't know if I heard that. Yeah. Or, you know, but when I go over evidence and I've trained everyone on the team, when they go over evidence, they're not going to go over it once or twice. Uh-huh. And this is literal. They're going to go over it at least a hundred times. On EVPs, electronic voice phenomenons, you're going to listen to that at least a hundred times until you know exactly what it said. Yeah. And if you can't figure out what was said there, I don't want it on the website. I, I just don't. Um, I don't want to jump to conclusions yeah. on things. I, the final decision is mine. Um, so if there is something on the website that you guys question, email me. Um, the buck stops with me. Yeah. Um, so if there is anything that, that I may have jumped to a conclusion saying, Oh, it's paranormal. Yeah. Um, it's, it's because of my expertise in doing this for 20 years that I think without a doubt that, yeah, it was paranormal. It may not be clear to you as the audience, uh-huh. but to me and being there at the time it happened, it, it something was weird. Yeah. Something was not right. And yeah. it wasn't normal. Yeah. Well, let's talk about a couple, a uh, couple of the most, the more interesting cases, uh, like the, what was it? The Kosh, the Kosh house. The or the, the one we were just talking about with the marks on her. On oh, that was the Hobart case. The Hobart case. Yeah. Okay. Um, Crazy case. Let's talk about the Hobart case. Um, we can be brief. I mean, people can go on the website and, and look at this further. Um, right. But uh, what was the? I guess the biggest thing that struck you about that that case. You know, was there something that things that floored you? Like what was floored me, man? Yeah. I am telling you the clarity of the electronic or the disembodied voice that was heard uh-huh. on those uh, recordings floored me. There were some, even case number one at the Hobart house, uh-huh. case number two and case number three. Um, those EVPs were some of the clearest EVPs that I had ever heard, especially the FUs, right? The F bombs that were thrown out by this entity um, towards me. And we don't hear those with our own ears. Yeah. Um, those are below 300 hertz. Um, and we don't hear them with our own ears. It wasn't until we reviewed the evidence that we were just, whoa. And you know that these are kind of reactions to something you say, right? Because you're listening right. back to something you say, right. and then it's yeah. a sound immediately like after. Right. I had asked, um, because in every case, every time we went to the Hobart house to do a case for those folks, we were getting reactions from the entity by knocking, and the knocking always came from the attic above us. But it, and we also heard in some instances like running uh-huh. in the attic, like something was, and I'll do it here on this desk, like this, like something ran across the attic. Hmm. And then I would ask a question, a yes or no question, you knock once for yes, knock twice for no, and we would get the knocks. Never down below though. Huh. So I had asked, or I had said, if you're not, um, why don't you come down here and face us? Something along those terms. Right. Uh, I said, you know, come down here and face us. And you hear in this deep man's voice, it said, and we didn't hear it with our ears on playback. After I asked the question, you hear F you, huh? you know, and then I didn't hear it. But then I thought of another question or statement. And I said, you know, if you're not going to come down here, I'm going to come up there. And then I think it says, without hearing it, 
now uh-huh. I think it says again, F you, come up then. Hmm. And I, when I played that back, it just blew my mind. And that was the same time, I believe, that Jane was attacked. It was the same night. If you look at the video of I was attacked, something, I didn't hear any of this saying, F you, come up yeah, then. Yeah. So what did I do? Yeah, you went up there. <laughs> I went up there. I, I went up by myself. Uh-huh. And something actually went through me physically and gave me vertigo. That not darn near knocked me off the ladder, uh-huh. and it wasn't safe at that point to be uh-huh. up in that attic alone. And uh, Jonas said, "Come down. Let's not. You know, you need to come down. I'm holding the ladder." And yeah. and yeah. then in that same night, his ankle was grabbed, and you can see in that uh, video clip uh, what looked like a thumbprint on his ankle. I got up real close with the uh-huh. camera and the light. And it was the wildest night at Hobart. So this was like more of a kind of a violent spirit, it or was, something. And it had always at. been to those yeah. people. It and um, even though I, I, you know, some people were telling me that they think it was a demon, and uh-huh. I just had to say, I, I really, at the same time, there weren't signs that it was. Even though it was violent, uh-huh. it there was no bad odor. There was no um, the marks. On Jane were two instead of three, and I know that's splitting hairs, uh-huh. but there's something called a wraith. Uh-huh. And a wraith is a, a human or spirit that was, or once walked the earth, that uh-huh. was, you know, the meanest person on earth. And then when they die, they're the same. They're just as mean when they die. And it sounded to me that whatever we were dealing with there was, was a wraith. No, did, did the house have like a history with someone like that in the house no. or in the neighborhood? So you no. guys didn't find anything through the research? I researched cr- violent crimes. We, it had been originally reported that there was violent crimes uh-huh. at the house at one point. I never found evidence of that huh. through the research we did. Um, there was never any, Call police calls there for disturbances. Uh, there was never any deaths that we could find uh-huh. of violent deaths. The one thing that we did find, uh, that the land was once, uh, farmland and that there were migrant workers. And the one thing that you out there, if you know Southern California or Merino Valley is where this all took place, Merino Valley, California, there are no cemeteries in Merino Valley, California. <laughs> so back in the day uh-huh. when you had migrant farm workers or farm workers, and this was, you know, however many years, 100 years uh-huh. ago or 60 years ago, whatever, um, where did they bury their dead? Yeah. They buried them right there. Right. So yeah. um, even though we didn't have a physical evidence that somebody had been buried there, when looking at the old photos that we looked at, that it was a, a farm, a working uh-huh. farm, we really came to, um, and then speaking of jumping to conclusions, but we, I mean, what I look at a case and what could have happened, I say, well, you know, it's almost a deductive reasoning uh-huh. uh, behind what our decisions are on what it could be. Um, I'm not saying that it was a worker that was buried there, but that could have been right. Yeah, you don't have the hard facts, but you no, have exactly you know, something was there, and it was pissed. Yeah, well, that's the thing about these things. Like you don't know how old these 
spirits or entities right. are because you only history only goes especially modern history with like police records and stuff like that. Correct. It only goes back so far. Correct. Um so Correct. Now was this the only homeowner that lived there or had like there been a history of re- this type of reports from like previous home homeowners, is what, there, did, you, they, the, did you find any of that kind of history? No, we didn't. Oh. And in fact, uh, the previous, the we understood that the pre- person that lived there previously was a uh, single parent raising a couple kids, and that um, nothing past that um, there was, like I said, no violent crimes. Yeah. Um, then the owner of the house; these were actually the people that hired us were renters. Okay. And that's where it started was with them, the owner. We didn't get stories from the owner that they had ever experienced anything. In fact, the third time we went there, we did a house cleansing to get rid of it. So for for the house cleansing, what did you guys uh, use? Did you use uh, like a priest or did you – was there – We used a minister uh-huh. who, who I have on my team and we did a pagan ritual um, with – Different herbs with uh, sage and thistle and sweet grass and, uh, you know, and we put it all in, in uh, the abalone shell and, uh-huh. you know, and we, we start at one end of the house, the back of the house, and we work our way towards the front uh, saying, uh, you know, certain uh, uh-huh. incantation, if you right, will, yeah, or, yeah. or prayer or however we're going to do it. Um, Till we push it out the front. Now, in that this case, you could actually, with the human ear, which is very rare, hear something screaming, huh. like we were killing it. Yeah, as we were pushing it out. And I believe that that's on our website as well. Okay. The screams. Um, I'd have to go back and see if 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 Jonas still has that up on our site. But I believe all three of the Hobart uh, encounters are all up on uh-huh. the site still. Weird case, man. That was one of our, yeah, it really was one of our more interesting cases. And, um, but I can tell you this much. We haven't, the, the owner ended up moving into the house themselves. Yeah. After the renters left. And we haven't, they have our number. They have never called us back after that cleansing. Wow. In fact, all the cleansings that we've done, to houses and cases that we've had, we've never been called back. So so interesting about the cleansings because you said it. You kind of you keep them at whatever the personal preference of the you know homeowner right. or the renter, right? Which is kind of funny to think about because you wouldn't think that a spirit would have a per, uh, you know a spirit would have a personal pre- right preference you know yeah. who's running it out right. there. But it seems like it's very interesting. Interesting that uh, it's just these are these are things that kind of show the right. spirit that they're unwanted and that they're right. And, and, it, very and what I intriguing. tell exactly, and what I tell the clients, and the reason we do it according to what the clients believe is because it really comes down to your belief, uh-huh. and it's your home. If you're having a problem in your home, please call us. Uh-huh. But if it's something that you haven't been able to deal with on your own. And you call us, we're going to always tell you to take your house back. What these things try to do is they call, it's called conquer and divide, divide and conquer. Um, they're going to try to split you up as a family and, um, to get you out of their house. And so we want you to take your house back and you physically stick together as a family and all of you as a family, whether there's just one of you or five of you or six of you will say out loud, Together, this is our house. You are not welcome here. You must leave now. Wow. So, and always rely on your faith. Yeah. You know. 
That's great. Well, I think um, I think we're almost out of time here. It's, it's like one of those things like I could keep yeah know, picking your brain about this stuff. This is great. <laughs> Uh, you know, maybe in the future, uh, you know, maybe next year, like, you know, next October, we'll, uh, you'll have you back and we can uh, Absolutely. chat, chat some more of these, uh, stories from the, these, uh, the houses that yes. you've encountered and we I'm have, sure you'll have right. plenty more cases I by have then. big things. We actually have some big, big things coming up this year uh, and next year, 2013. Uh-huh. Um, so I'm hoping that all of the full tech paranormal fans We'll tune into your podcast because we're going to put it on our website uh, once Thanks. once you know you let us know that uh-huh. this is is a go and then um, and vice versa. We hope that your fans will you know skeptics or not will tune in and check out uh, fulltechparanormal.com. Awesome. All right. Well, I guess today was John Kirchhoff. Uh, from uh, Full Tech Paranormal Investigations. John, thanks again. Thank you, really. Sean. This was uh, awesome. You can find them on Twitter also. Uh, what's the what's your guys' Twitter uh, handle there? Uh, it's Full Tech Paranormal. Full Tech Paranormal? Yes. On Twitter. Uh, and then they're also on Facebook. So uh, like us find on Facebook. Them. <laughs> like them on Facebook. Um, all right. Well, that's going to do it for for today's show. I mean, it's like I almost don't want the show to end. It's like I, I know. I had a great time. Stuff. Um, uh, today's featured music was brought to you by Tyler Daniel Bean. Check out his album uh, on Tuesday. Uh, and if you're listening to this and it's uh, like the 7th, uh, grab it. Uh, the, the album's called Longing. It's available via Bandcamp at tylerdanielbean.bandcamp.com. Also, head over to noisetrade.com and download Josh Rouse and the Long Vacations self-titled album, uh, noisetrade.com slash jrlv. And uh, like I said, if you like... Um, if you like Josh Josh Rouse's music, uh, go and leave him a, leave him a tip. Uh, that's the great thing about Noise Trade is they offer all this great free music, and uh, you can grab it for free. And you, if you like it, you can you can tip the band, which is, I think is a really great uh, a really great thing they're doing. All right, um, next week I'll be talking to. Um, I'm hoping I'm lining it up, but uh, we'll be talking about Mormonism next week, so that'll be a fun another fun show. And uh, John. Uh, um, Again, thanks to my guest, John. I uh, really love talking about this stuff, and I'm sure we'll have him on again. Thank you, Sean. Uh, all right, man. Have a have pleasure a being here. All right, everybody. Have a great week, and I'll talk to all of you uh, sometime next week. Not sure when, but I'll talk to you next week. All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs>